Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Why don't you turn to two or three people and say, good morning, you look cuter after worship. It's always a good thing to gas each other up. You know, the Bible does say when you get together, encourage each other, right? We, the week is hard enough. Adulting is hard. Remember when you were 16 and you thought your parents were like really dumb? And then you got to be 22 and you thought your parents got a whole lot smarter in a few years, right? Come on, like adulting is so hard. So we get together, we want to we wanna encourage each other, man. Maybe you guys were all really good teenagers. I wasn't. And so by the time I was in my 20s, I thought my dad actually is pretty smart. So uh, anyway, I am excited today. Uh, today, I, I uh, had a chance to get a, a really great book out. Uh, it's called The Anxiety Toolkit. And if you, you want the information on this, I can get it to you. So I had a chance to go through this book and read it. it was, it's been on the list uh, for me to read this year because I knew I was going to tackle this series. And so today's message is based uh, heavily off of this book. It's based off of Scripture, which is uh, our final authority in life uh, and for all things life and godliness, um, and then also from my personal experience. Last week, we talked about Elijah and how God ministered to Elijah when he had his mental and emotional breakdown, and today, we're going to talk some very practical ways. How do we walk ourselves through uh, anxiety when anxiety gets the best of us? And I, I think it's something that we have all had familiar dealing with. Uh, they, they actually say that anxiety and depression far more than any other mental illness across this country, this is what we're dealing with. In fact, if you're in the Gen Z generation, they said up to 60% of your generation is dealing with anxiety on a frequent basis. And so I really feel like today is going to be a very relevant message. I would love for you to take notes. I'd love for you to dig into this one. Uh, hang with me for the next 25 minutes because I think I can really help you with God's Word and with some practical tools. How do, I, how do we live above anxiety and not just always below it. Amen? Uh, so it's, it's going to be good. Let's look now at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 this morning. I'd like to read a few verses. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. I'd love to meet you after service. We have a welcome box for you. Make sure you get that before you get out there. And also, I want to welcome all the people on our podcast. Our podcast is getting some traction. Can we just give it up for our podcast listeners really quick? Thank you for hanging in there with us, even when you're not here physically. Philippians chapter 4. I'd like to start reading in verse 4 this morning. And uh, this is Paul saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. That, that word to think is a very active word in the Greek. It's the Greek word logizomai, and it literally means to count, calculate, or think actively on. So if I gave you $1,000, but they were all in $1 bills, and I said, if you count this correctly, you can have all the money that's in this big fat stack of cash. For the next few minutes, where is your mind going to be? 
It's going to be on that money, right? You are going to be counting one, two, three, four. And if I come along and I start trying to chit-chat with you, what are you going to do? You're going to be like, bro, I need some space. Get away. My mind is active on counting this money, right? God is giving us something way more valuable than $1,000 here. He's giving us a mind that is garden toward peace. And he's saying, if you want a mind that is garden toward peace, here's what I need you to count. Here's what I need you to think about. Here's what I need your mind to get active about. It, you know, here's the thing. Emotions follow thoughts. And this is why the Bible talks so much about our thought life. When, when you have messed up emotions, there's a good you know, chance that you're going to have some messed up thinking. And the Bible is saying, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to count these things. I want you to calculate it. I want you to be actively on, on this thing. Now, the book defines anxiety as anxiety is an emotional state characterized by feels of worry, nervousness, and unease. In fact, it says things if you overthink before taking action. Maybe you're prone to making negative predictions, right? You think about the worst situation that could happen. Uh, maybe you take negative feedback very hard. You're self-critical. Anything less than the extraordinary performance or perfection feels like failure. There's a good chance you might be dealing with anxiety. Anxiety affects 40 million Americans over the age of 18, and they said everyday anxiety affects a far greater number of people. Americans suffer again through anxiety and depression more than any other mental health issue. And yet God's word is saying, let's be anxious about nothing. How in the world do we get there? Now we cannot control stressors and stress. Wouldn't it be great if you and I had the control over the trials, temptations, and the stressors that we get in our life? I don't know about you, but that would be awesome. We just don't get to control the stressors. Anxiety has been with humankind for a very long time, right? You can take this all the way back to our ancestors fighting saber-toothed tigers. They're out on a hunt. They're trying to get the woolly mammoth. A tiger shows up, and they have to decide in seconds, do I freeze and maybe the tiger misses me? Do I run from this thing? Can I throw my spear, you know, and fight this thing? And so it's the freeze, flee, or fight, right? And that is great when you are fighting saber-toothed tigers. It is not so good when you get an email from your boss and now you're anxious the rest of the day because you're not quite sure what is meant and it throws us into a state of anxiety and stress. How in the world do we live above this thing? Knowing that I can never fully take my stressors away, how do I live above anxiety? The book first says self-awareness is very important. Let's write this down. This is, this is the starting of our journey to deal and live above anxiety. Self-awareness, self-knowledge about the thinking and behavioral patterns that have caused your anxiety to develop and persist. Again, emotions follow thoughts. The Bible talks a lot about my thought life. What was the thinking that got me to this place in the first place? Let me pause and think about what I've been thinking about. Psalms 119.105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. If I feel a little lost, are my thoughts on God's word? What am, what am I thinking about? Here's the thing. The enemy of our soul is really sneaky. And those of you that have followed Jesus for a long time, you realize that the devil will sow you a little bit of truth with a little bit of a lie. And so it's not like crazy, but there's a little bit of truth and a little bit of a lie. You can take this all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When he lied to Eve, he said, you're going to know the difference between life and death. 
She already knew about life. She just didn't know about death. And then interesting, a little bit of truth, a little bit of a lie snuck in there. And so the enemy knows, hey, you know, if I'll try these different temptations and these different anxieties on these people, I know what they tend to believe and what they, what they buy, right? What, what, what gets them to, to buy? I love this quote. I, I've said it before, but Michelle de Montaigne, my life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which has never happened. I, I just think that's so true. Okay, this is the thing about anxiety. One, one pastor said, fear is simply false evidence appearing real. And I really like that because when you, when you start talking about anxiety and worry and these stressors, we, we all have a tendency to create the worst case scenario and, and then we live in it for days or sometimes weeks or hours and we, we let, take ourselves down, this, down this, this track, right, don't we? You know, for, for me in my life, you know, and I, I've, as I've grown as a human, as I've grown in Christ, I have learned my triggers and my stressors. And, you know, for some of you, you know your triggers and your stressors. You know what makes you anxious. For others of you, this is like new news where you're like, wow, I've actually never thought about thinking about the things that really make me anxious. So for me in my life, I live a very cyclical life. In other words, I, you know, I'm a pastor, so Sunday is a a big day for me, right? It's like playing a sports game every single Sunday. You know, when you play on a sports team, you're you're up on the weekend, right? You got to play regardless of what happens, you're up. And so for me, that's Sunday. And so Sunday's the big day, Monday, I'm, I'm kind of tired, and so that's like my admin day and some reading and stuff. And so my week is very cyclical because Sundays are always coming. And so if you look at my life, I've got this big bubble, and the way that my brain works is actually just in bubbles, which might sound weird, but that's kind of how my brain works. And so, so I've got this big bubble to-do list of Sunday's message. It takes me about a day to two days to write a really good message. If, I, if it's less than a day, it's not the best Sunday for me, you know? And, and so I'm like, okay, I've got this big bubble of Sunday's message that's coming every single week. This thing has to get done. And so I make that my priority number one right out of the gate. That's, that's the big thing that has to happen. Then my, my life is made up of these smaller bubbles of things that have to get done. I got to take this person out for coffee. Uh, we have to train some lift leaders. I got to follow up with this person. I've got to make sure this event is good. What happens to me in my life is because my wife and I have twins and my wife is our main administrator, right? In the church right now, because we're a church plant. So we're like going tag team this thing one and two. When these things begin to stack up, and all of a sudden, I feel like the bubbles have stacked up so far that I'll never get it done, I begin to get anxious. My, my triggers are pulled. My stressors are beginning to pile up as the bubbles pile up. And then what happens? My wife hands me a baby and I, I start walking around with a baby and I'm trying to text with a baby, you know, and, and change a diaper. And, and then we switch and I get another baby and I, I'm, she's trying to take care of a bubble and, you know, and then we go back and forth and then my anxiety begins to build. That's what it is for me in, in my weeks. What is it for you in your weeks. It is the self-awareness. What I have learned to do as the stressors begin to build, I have an option. I can stay in my anxiety and let some worry come in, or I can trust Jesus. And as we talk self-awareness, this is what I want you to be aware of. You can always choose to trust Jesus. So I've explained my bubbles and starts what's triggering me. What triggers you and, and what's the lie that, that you're beginning to buy? For me, the lie is, if you get too stacked back, everything will fall apart, right? 
If the bubbles get stacked too high, it, it, it will never work out. It'll, it'll all fall apart. The problem with that is the pressure is on me and it's not on Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. This is how it works for me in my life. How does it work for you in your life? Psalm 56 says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. We can always choose to trust Jesus. My wife and I recently uh, purchased a, a piece that goes underneath our, our TV. Um, and so my wife wanted to change the rooms around. And my wife is smart, okay? We've been married for 17 years. So I was gone on a trip one day, and her mom was in town. And you know what they did? They moved the rooms around without my permission. Does anybody else have a spouse like this? Okay. So, and she knows she's smart. She goes, Matt's gone. He'll never say yes. So while he's gone, I'm going to move the rooms around on him. And so I walk back into my house, and the couch was not where I left it. Okay, and, I, and I, I really didn't like it. I don't like it, whatever. You know, everybody's going to have their opinion. And, uh, but she, it doesn't matter because she loves it. Okay, and I, and I get it. Okay, I have part of a closet in my garage. I know my, I know my space. And, uh, and so she moves the couches around, and I come in, and, I, and, and so I had a couple decisions to make, right? In marriage, you can get mad or you can get even. Okay, and so what I said, I, what I said was, okay, that's fine. You can have the couch here if you want. I'm just going to go buy a really big flat screen. And that's exactly what I did. And I said, I'm going to put a big flat screen on this wall. Oh, no. You know, I was like, yes, we do need it. What am I going to do? Stare at a blank wall? And that's what I did. I just got even. Come on, guys. You know, like, that's what we do. Just get even in marriage. And, and so, so I bought a big flat screen, and then, and then she bought some more pictures of the kids, and now the whole thing looks cute and whatever. It works. So, so we're like, I got to buy a piece to go underneath the TV. And so we've been looking, we were looking on Ikea, looking on Wayfair, looking around all these things. And, and I found this piece and it was, it was cheaper. It looked nice. And we bought it. And when it, when it, I, and it took me like three hours to set it up, which is so annoying for me. Like I, I hate setting those things up. So I, I'm setting it up. And as, I, and as I'm setting it up, I realize the top isn't even real wood. It was a sticker. It was a sticker. It was just like a sticker, and, and that really got me because I was like, this is too expensive to be a sticker, right? And, and I realized I had purchased a lie and brought it home. And when I discovered it was a sticker, I sent it right back. When we talk about self-awareness and the power of God's word, the reason God wants us to count his word and think about it is as you are wise in his words, you begin to recognize the stickers that the enemy of your soul tries to sell you. Because a lot of us are living in anxiety because of a sticker. It's a little bit of truth, but it's a little bit of a lie. And we've purchased and brought home a sticker. And God is saying, if your mind will stay on me and your thoughts will stay with my word, you can recognize the stickers of life and send them right back where they came from. Right? Come on, that was, that was good, right? Let's not buy some, some stickers this morning. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. I can always choose to trust Jesus. I can always choose to put the power back to him and, and look at him and, and look to him for help. So those are my triggers. Those are typically the things that will get me anxious is when I feel overwhelmed and I'm behind. And that, that gets my three personality. So what is it for you? What is that awareness? Another thing we want to work on, and the book talks about this a little bit, and I have more scriptures for us, is you need a response team. You need your response team. When anxiety is kind of knocking on your door, when you feel it swelling up on the inside of you, 
What is your response team? Here's what works for me. Number one, I breathe and I think about God's word. Listen to this, Psalms 94, 19. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Psalms 46, 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. These two words are really interesting in the Hebrew. The still actually means to relax and sink down. Like, like pick your shoulders up right now and then drop them. Just, ah, oh, just felt good. Just relax, relax. And then it says, no, that means to perceive. What is God saying? Relax, homie, and perceive all the ways that I can come through for you. Relax, think about my word. Relax, think about the Savior. If I can compare my stressors to my Savior, I find strength. When I begin to think, you know what, let me just stop for a moment, let me breathe, and let me meditate on the Word of God, I begin to relax and I breathe. Relax and perceive. I want a response team. Benjamin Franklin said, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. See, what so many of us go into this thing with, we never even think about, we just think anxiety is something we have to deal with. We've never thought about what do I do when anxiety comes. We want to plan. We want a response team. So the first for me is I want to breathe and I want to relax. I want to remind myself, guess what? It's not all on me. It's on, it's on him, right? What else do I want to do? If it persists, I'm going to talk about it. And you got to be careful here, okay? Here's, here's what I mean, okay? Um, Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. I want the right people in my life to talk to. What I've done over the years is I would get anxious, right? And now I'm tanked with a lot of emotion. What's easy to do? Give it all to my wife, okay? That doesn't work in our marriage. <laughs> over the years, I've learned really the last person I should talk to when I get anxious is, is my wife, right? Because my wife is not my counselor. She's not my coach. She's not my pastor. She's my girlfriend. She's my wife. So even though I'm full of emotion, I'm tanked, I'm anxious, I don't want to just dump it all on her. That might make me feel better. It's kind of like emotionally throwing up, right? Not to be gross this morning, but it's kind of like just the quick fix. I'm, just, I'm anxious, and, but now she's upset, right? She's emotional because I made her emotional, and now there's conflict. But I've learned if it persists, I want to talk to the right people. I want to call my pastor. I want to call one of my two coaches. I want to call one of my friends, maybe a guy on the board, and I want to say, yo, I feel behind again. I'm feeling anxious here, here it is. What can we do? I want to begin to talk it out because if it stays inside and stays in my mind, it's going to get the best of me. So I need some solutions, right? Proverbs eleven fourteen: where there's no guidance, a people fails, but in abundance of counselors, there is safety. What do I need? I want to, I want to share with them the lies that I bought, the stickers, the anxiety, and I want to get some wisdom, right? The last thing for me on this one, my response team, I'm going to start acting. The only way to really beat fear in your life is start acting in the opposite direction. What, what do I mean by that? Somebody is afraid, well, I'll never get accepted into college, and so you just don't apply. Well, that's not going to help you, right? Rarely can we emotionally talk ourselves into better action, but we can always act our way into better emotion. In other words, some people say, well, I'll go to the gym when I feel like I have more energy. And others will say, I'm going to start going to the gym so I can have more energy. See, one is based on a feeling, the other is based on action. Joyce Meyer, I love this quote. She said, not even God can drive a parked car. What's her point? Get going. Get going. I'm, I'm going to choose the word of God. I'm going to choose faith, and I'm going to begin to act in the opposite direction of my 
fear, right? I, I want to get moving. I want to get going. I want to get going. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God leads us through our emotions. Emotions are great reflectors. They're definitely a part of our spiritual journey. But you and I are to be led by the Spirit. We're to be led by the Word of God. We're to be led by wisdom. We're to be led by godly counsel, right? And thank God for that because if we were led by our emotions, we wouldn't get out of the bed two days of the week, right? I mean, we'd all live a life of up and down, yet our Bible says we're to go from glory to glory. Jesus, thank God, is not an emotional basket case. We serve a solid Savior. And so I want to be led by those things and not just my emotions. They will always be up and down. I want to act in the opposite direction. Last thing on this today, and I can't believe it's already noon. Time is flying for us this morning. The, the book talks about having confidence in yourself. Having confidence in yourself. And I, and I think this is important, and I, I think you do need a general confidence in yourself. I, I think as believers, we can go up even a, a level higher Jeremiah 17, 7, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence, watch this, is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I want to have confidence in God. I got to the place in my life where I learned to say, it's okay that I'm not enough. It is okay that I'm not enough. I was never designed to be the answer to all the world's problems, and neither are you. That is a title for Jesus Christ alone. Can I get an amen? It's okay that you're not enough, but in God, I can become the person he's called me to be. I can do what he's called me to do. I can grow in faith and love and wisdom. I can be the father, the husband, the pastor, because there's grace on my life and it comes from him and my confidence is in him. I want to have confidence in him. I want to embrace a growth mindset and not a perfection mindset. I'm after mastery, not perfection. See, if you and I pursue perfection, we're never going to get confidence because we're never going to be perfect. Even this message today, I could have tweaked perhaps a few things, okay? But I'm going after mastery of communication and not just perfection, which gives me confidence to try again next week. So how about you? Instead of trying to be the perfect father, what does mastering fatherhood look like? Instead of trying to be the perfect husband, what about growing as a better husband or friend or spouse? What does that look like in your context? I want to grow. Psalms 103.13 said, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You can only grow under grace. And for all of my very self-critical people, you have to stop beating yourselves up for not being perfect. You, like everybody else, can only grow with compassion and grace. None of us can grow under judgment. And if you're worried about being perfect and you're always failing and then you're always beating yourself up for failing, you're in a really bad negative cycle. What would it look like to embrace a growth mindset, begin to grow in God's word and grow in his love and give yourself grace and allow yourself to go from glory to glory. Even failure, guys, can be a part of our ultimate success in the end. Thomas Edison's teacher said he was too stupid to learn anything. 
He was fired from his first two jobs for not being productive and daydreaming. He went on to fail over a thousand times making a new light bulb and then made the light bulb and changed history. What does that look like to embrace growth and not perfection, seeing that God has compassion on you as you journey through. God is not beating you up for being anxious. He's not beating you up for being worried. He's not beating you up for being stressed. He just has a better life where you live above anxiety and not always under the pressure of anxiety as we have confidence in him, as we trust him. He has compassion on us. I'll close with this, that God plus me is the majority, and that is all the power I will ever need to face my problems. And that God plus you is the majority against your problems. Your problems are outnumbered when God joins your circle. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Lord, I know it was very practical and it was a teaching. And, but God, I pray that everyone open their hearts and their minds because, God, you don't want us living in anxiety. You don't want us uh, living in a, in a world of worry. Rather, Lord, you want us trusting in Jesus. And God, I thank you that Philippians 4 really tells us where to put our thoughts. God, so help us to guard in our thoughts. We want to plant the right thoughts. We want to pull the wrong thoughts. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for pouring out your spirit today. Thank you for pouring out your grace today. May we be a joy-filled and a peace-filled church and people. In your amazing name we pray. If you believe that with me, say amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.